the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. You've got to get your name out there. you got to make sure that people understand who you are and what you stand for. But eventually, you're going to need to be very jealous of your time and to make sure that you're maximizing your time to the extent that you can. But it's really important, I think, for us to be thinking about all aspects of our life, not just about making money, not just about running a law firm, but about being with our family, being with our kids, being free to be happy and live a successful life and, and have everything that we want. That's, that's what Maximum Lawyer to me is all about, about you know reaching whatever potential we can and not just in running a firm. What helps us have those healthy lives are our businesses. So they, they both have to be healthy. So yeah, I mean, there's different parts of your life that you need to focus on. You know, there are the family relationships, there's the friend relationships, there's your health, there's your business. There's all these different areas that you have to focus on. It can be very, very difficult because you're, when you take away from one, if you add the one, then you're taking away from another one. So it's tough. I mean, it's nothing, no one's saying this is easy, but you have to at least have it in your mind to think about, to focus on, otherwise you'll just ignore it. Run your law firm the right way. The right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Oh, Tyson, we're getting really close to the conference. We're at about 60 people signed up. It's pretty remarkable. The Cardinal game is sold out. I think people are really looking forward to the event. Yeah, it's really freaking exciting. I'm Every time we look at the numbers, I'm shocked at the number of people that are going to come to St. Louis kind of take part in, in this conference. But you know what? I guess I'm, I'm sort of surprised I'm sort of not because... We've got a killer lineup of speakers, and it's just going to be a great conference. It really is. I'm already worrying about the speakers for next year and whether we're going to be able to top this year's lineup. Well, you know, it's something that people don't know because, I mean, they're they're not as involved as you and I are. But like the, there have been several big-name speakers approach us after we already set the lineup wanting to speak, and we had to turn them away. And that's something that you and I don't think we ever thought we'd have to do. So we actually carved out a couple spots that we, we had to find time to add a couple people because they wanted to be involved and so it really is exciting and we have some we have people for next year that that are really big name guests and people are going to want to see so i think i think next year we're who knows maybe we'll be able to stop it maybe not but it's going to be good either way 
Well, later on today, I'm having a call with Mitch Jackson himself. Very excited about having Mitch come. We're going to be talking about his presentation. You know, everybody who's coming, to my knowledge, is, is presenting all new material. So if you've seen Seth Price before, if you've heard from John Fisher before and Mitch, everyone's going to be tweaking it and changing it. And Mitch and I are going to talk a little bit later today about his topic. And, you know, the other thing about events like this is that, you know, sometimes you hear things, and, and uh, Ryan McKean said this in the Facebook group the other day, sometimes you hear things like, six times and it's not till the sixth time that you hear it that you get it or sometimes you hear things and you're in a different place you're not starting out anymore or you've tried one thing before and, and when someone says something to you in a different way you're just being infused with new information and i think you react to it differently depending on where you yourself are at ryan mckean is one smart dude really is he's he's in my mini mastermind experience group and so he's he's really awesome something you said that's absolutely correct it, i mean Seth Price is also, he, he's paring his down. Um, the, all of these are in changing it up. All of these presenters, they're, they're really fine-tuning this. We're, we're only giving them 45 minutes. And so it's, it's, it's kind of like a, a TED Talk in steroids in a way, but it's more involved in that where people are going to be, I'd say it's more interactive in a way is the way of putting it because people are going to be able to have, the, when they leave the conference, they're going to have these huge takeaways, things that they've actually done at the conference to implement in their firm. So I think that, that to me is the most exciting part about it. Speaking of interactive, today you and I are going to be interacting with some of our Facebook friends, some people who've posted recently on Facebook. We're going to couple we're going to tackle a couple of topics that have been bandied about on the Facebook page the last couple Easy of weeks. Easy for you to say. No doubt. So the first topic for today comes from our friend Hunter Cavell and Hunter had a question that he put on the group, which I thought was really a great question, and, and you and I had some good conversation about it. And he asked, I have a question for discussion. Please be as general or as specific as you like. For all attorneys that have gone out on their own, how did you land your first client, your second, your third? How long did it take for your business to become viable? When did you come to the realization that your dream was becoming a reality and that every investment would come back? Thanks so much. So I'll I'll start with this question and then I'll let you go to yours. I guess mine it was really interesting. So I recognized in law school what I wanted to do. I wanted to have my own firm. That's what I wanted to do. And so I sort of and I don't know if either you gave me this advice or Debbie Champion had given me the advice about how well, I guess it started with Debbie Champion because Debbie Champion talked about how the story of this firm where it was a big defense firm and they closed down and they or a bunch of them left and a bunch of attorneys were left with no business and so they got all got laid off and so she she talked she stressed the importance of having clients because it makes it very hard for you to get fired so i i took that to heart and so i i worked on kind of building my presence networking things like that and so my initial clients, as a, when I became an attorney, were all referrals. That's where all the initial ones are, and that's that's pretty common. And they were they were referrals from other attorneys. I had capitalized early on on my position at my firm because I was at one of the larger volume PI firms, and so a lot of people did turn to me for advice. And so I gave advice at every corner I could because there's a lot of value in that. And in turn, I was getting a lot of referrals from my classmates. So that, that's where I got a lot of them. But another thing that I did was in undergrad, I remember this guy talking about, and I, I couldn't even tell you which company he worked for now, but he was talking about how it was very, very important. This is a long time ago, but getting your name as a domain name. So I've got TysonMutrix.com. 
And so I bought that a long time ago. So in law school, I blogged about, you know, veterans issues and things like that. And what I was trying to do, I was just trying to age my domain name and build some content before I became an attorney. And I, I, cause I couldn't put like, you know, place music as an attorney because I wasn't an attorney yet. But I guess what I had done though, is I, I built enough credit in Google that whenever I did become an attorney, I was getting cases. And so I was getting cases through my website and it was actually pretty effective. So I'd say, you know, my first, second, third, fourth, fifth, probably up to 20 was referrals. But pretty quickly after that, I started getting leads from the internet. And so that's how I, I built mine. You'll have to tell everyone the story about how the people that you work for didn't necessarily like you having that website and getting clients yourself that way. Yeah, I think that's for another episode, but you're right. I will give my thinking on that I, and, and uh, on both sides of it. And having been an attorney and, and a boss of an associate, uh, my thoughts on it and everything else. But that's another topic for another day. We can, we can definitely do that at another time. But I want to hear about yours. So our listeners might be surprised that I, of course, started with my list. And back then, my list was much smaller back then. But what I did was is I sat down and I made a list. I grabbed all my contacts from everywhere they were. I think back then I might have had a Palm Pilot, Tyson, if you can believe that. And I, oh, had, I, a lot, I had a lot of contacts. And um, my very first client was the nurse for the OB who delivered my first three children. So her name was Indira, and her husband owned a trucking company. When I went out on my own in late 2007, I was coming from insurance defense and a firm where we had three corporate or insurance clients. And so a a consumer-facing practice was not something that I had. And so my thought when I opened the firm was that I was going to be a lawyer for immigrants. I I had done a lot of personal injury on the defense side. I knew how to put together a, a PI case. And I thought that I'd be doing personal injury for immigrants, that I'd be doing estate plans for immigrants, and that I would eventually be doing immigration itself. And so I partnered up with a guy who was working full-time at a company. He was an an immigration lawyer, but he's working at a company, not at a law firm. And so I would pay him by the hour to help me with my immigration cases. That's sort of how I taught myself and learned immigration. But at first we were doing whatever came in the door. I mean, we really were sort of all over the place. We weren't very focused. We had no you know, no real marketing message. I had a lame website, but the one thing I did have was my email list. And so I wrote down everybody, you know, my mom's friends, my friends, you know, any, anybody that I'd ever done business with, like contractors at our house or anybody. And I just started putting out not weekly, but periodic news about, about the firm. And I had a big launch and I had a, a happy hour at a restaurant near my office and I invited everybody and then I got um, publicity for that in the, in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I got in sort of the, the gossip column about that. That post is framed in our front office. And so I just sort of, it's funny, now that I say it out loud, I, I sort of did on a very small scale what we do now on a very big scale. So I guess, Hunter, the thing is, the clients will come. And, you know, when did I come to the realization that my dream was becoming a reality? Probably when I, about the time I started teaching Tyson and, and at the law school about how to open your firm, you know, it takes, certainly takes a while and, and every investment doesn't come back. You know, you're, you're sort of taking your shot. You're, you're seeing what works and what doesn't and, and you're going where the market leads you. You know, I, I never in my wildest dreams thought that we would be a full-time and only an immigration law firm, but that's sort of where 
the need was, and that's where people found me. And eventually, that's where I found my passion. That's where I found my voice. I had a lot of things to say about the way immigrants were being treated, and that resonated with people, and it just sort of mushroomed from there. Honestly, I think what it is, is just put in the work. I mean, it's it really is, it comes down, there's nothing easy about this. It comes down to doing the work. And so you do the networking, you you put work in on the website. I mean, you can obviously pay people to do that if you want to do that, pay people to do the website. But a lot of it, people, people like William Eady have proven you don't need to do that. You you can do it yourself, and you can do a really, really good job, and you can get clients that way. It's just there's a, a million different ways you can get clients, but doing the work is how you get them, and that's that's just the bottom line. So choose a couple different ways of getting clients, put in the work, and they will come. I promise you. We talked a couple of weeks ago about, you know, sunk costs and about how you just have to, you really have to monitor how you're spending your time and whether it's continuing to pay off with the return on investment for your time or your money, because both of those things are finite, especially your time. And you and I tried some things that didn't work. And I think it's important to be willing and flexible, not so, not so much to, to not try new things, but to stop doing things that aren't working. I think that's really important, especially when you're starting. I, I I was out doing a lot of networking. You were, you and I were in a networking group that was taking up a lot of our time, and I think that, I think that we eventually came around to the way that Will Eady sees things, and that is that you can get a lot of clients off the internet itself, and and maybe you don't need to be running around all over the place networking. I think at first it's important. I think you've got to get your your name out there. You got to make sure that people understand who you are and what you stand for. But eventually, you're going to need to be very jealous of your time, and to make sure that you're maximizing your time to the extent that you can. I see what you did there. That was a good one. The, but, you know, here's the other thing. Uh, here's an interesting point that you sort of made not, without really saying it. Things change, all right? So things that worked five years ago may not work now. And I'll tell you one example for me was whenever I was doing a lot of criminal defense, pay-per-click, I, I got into the pay-per-click game really early, and it worked really, really well. But as the cost went up, because everyone was getting into it, it drew it drove my cost per acquisition up, and so it made it where it wasn't worth it for me to do it anyway anymore. So things like that, paperwork still does work, but the to me it's just too big of a bullet to bite. I don't I don't like how much you have to pay per acquisition, and so things do change, and so just you have to you have to keep that in mind. I will say something that will never change in my opinion is networking. Networking is going to be around forever, so it's not something that it's going to lead you astray. So if you're if you're going to start with something, start with networking. I mean, that's how you're going to get most of your clients anyways. Our next topic comes from our friend, St. Louis attorney, David Terry. I think you and I both have had lunch with David. He's been very generous, and we've enjoyed spending time with David. He was writing about social media, and David is coming to the conference, I should say. And here's what he asks. What are folks in the group doing about social media, and are you getting any benefit? I've been talking with some people about handling my social media for me, but I wonder if there's much of an upside ROI to having several posts a month on social media platforms. I'm going to stop this question there, and we get to the second part of his question in a minute. Go for it. I, I, this, this cracks me up, but I, I'm, I, I want to hear your response. Okay, so I have I had a couple of thoughts. Number one is I don't think that anyone can handle your social media for you. You know, I have been in Mitch Jackson's Legal Minds group, and and that's a biweekly. We meet twice a week for an hour talking about social media. David, it's it's really the deal of a century. If you if you're thinking about doing social media before you spend one dime on any 
social media experts, you really need to join Mitch's group. It's very collaborative. Mitch has tried it all, done it all, and there are a lot of really smart people in the group, so I would strongly encourage you to do that. The other thing is, Tyson, I'm remembering when our friend Gary Berger had us come talk to his CLE last year, and I think you and I were, we, you and I spoke before and after these people that work for a Facebook advertising company, and those guys, they talked for like 45 minutes, and I had no idea what in the hell they were saying. It was like gobbledygook, marketing, advertising, branding stuff that was just nonsensical. And so I think there's a lot of snake oil being sold when it comes to social media. So David, I'd really encourage you, before you spend any money on any experts at social media, that you learn it yourself. You don't have to do it yourself, but you have to learn what your money is going towards, why it's important. And I know David is in sort of the personal injury space, and I think that that there are a lot of people out there who would be trying to get money from plaintiff's attorneys and that you, you could be in a really vulnerable spot. All right, so I agree with you with 99.9% of the stuff you said, and so I don't want to just repeat everything you just said, but it's there is no way you can successfully do social media and not do it yourself. There's just no way because you pointed this out before and Mitch Jackson talks about it all the time. It's about the interaction. It's the social part of it that, that's the most important part of it. The media part of it is not the important part. It's the social part of it. And so actually engaging people and, and unless you have someone impersonating you, which if, if who knows, there may be companies out there that can do a really, really good job of impersonating you, I highly doubt it. That means they are actually interacting with clients, they're interacting with your friends, your family, things like that. I guess if you want to pay someone to do that, go for it. I think it's a bad idea. I don't even know if that, that type of a product even exists, but I just think it's it's a bad idea and it's not effective. I've, to answer the other part of the question, I've had great results, but it's it's more of a branding kind of a thing where we do have the engagement with clients and family and friends and things like that and colleagues. That's where it all comes from. And I've, I've talked about this before on the podcast. A lot of it began for me with video where, and I said, said this a long time ago, it went from no one knowing my name to everyone knowing my name. And it really, it, it came down to the videos and from the social media. So is there a benefit to it? Absolutely. And I, I still think the gold rush is still going on with Facebook. So um, if you're not involved in it, I highly recommend that you do. I think everybody knows you from your little Lord Fauntleroy suits and your granimals. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing that David brings up, or the, the little throwaway comment there is, I wonder if there's much return on investment to having several posts a month on social media platforms. I mean, that's the thing. You know, you'll get some company that says, we'll write blog posts for you. We'll write Facebook posts for you. But it, the whole thing about social is the actual interaction. You can't just, it's not drive-by marketing. And in fact, it, it shouldn't even be, I don't even think social media and marketing should be in sort of the same phrase. It's social media, like you said, it's part of being social. It's interacting. It's having a conversation. I mean, Gary Vee loves to go to these conferences and he'll look up some of the people that are posting about the conference, and then he'll note how they never reply to each other, how they're just sort of, you know, using a blowhorn to just sort of yell all the time. And social media is not about yelling. Social media really, I think, is about whispering and having a, a, a dialogue. I, I have someone, a friend on face on Twitter that I've never met. She's an attorney. I think she listens to the show. She's out on the East Coast, and we had a great conversation on Twitter yesterday 
about whether or not these uh, reporters who work for Sinclair, where they're being asked to read these scripts, these pro-Trump scripts, you know, and so whether we those people should quit their jobs. And she pointed out to me that, uh, you know, that it's not easy for them because Sinclair has such a presence all across the country. It's hard to leave a job like that because it's hard to find another one. And so through social, she educated me and she sort of changed my way of thinking about things. And so that's really what social is about. Social is about meeting people, about, you know, reading, you know, and that's one of, one of the great things about the conference is we really feel like you and I have never met William Eady. We've never met him in real life, but I consider him a friend and I'm glad he's coming to the conference and we're going to have fun meeting in St. Louis. But at the end of the day, where we've really forged our connection is in the Facebook group. Yeah. I mean, and we've, I mean, we've done, you know, video calls with William and things like that. And we've had him on the podcast. You're right. But I, same thing. I, I mean, I consider him a friend and we, we really have not, uh, met him in person, which is kind of funny to think about. I hadn't really thought about that. So, yeah, it's it's the engagement. I don't know. It's, it's one of the things where would you at a family or, or a gathering of friends and family, would you, like let's say a Super Bowl party, would you go and would you put someone in your place to just basically go in there and talk about your business? No, you wouldn't. It makes no sense. Social media is the same thing. It's just, it's a gathering of friends and family and colleagues is what it is. And so, don't stand up and shout, actually engage. You want to move on to the next one? Yeah, so the last one came across last night in the group, and it's from our good friend Joey Vitale. And Joey was talking about maximum lawyer, about being a maximum lawyer. And, and I think that it, it, this is a good topic for us to end the show on. And I wanted to just sort of talk about it. Joey brings up you know, that we talk about being a maximum lawyer, about being the best version of ourselves as lawyers and, you know, being effective and maximizing our marketing efforts. And it made me think back to when you and I started and when we came up with the name for Maximum Lawyer. And that was back in my phase when I was thinking all the time about Maximum Gym. I had Maximum Gym sort of on my whiteboard and I had all the, the six aspects of my life up on that board. And so when we started talking about baby. gym immigration, yeah. So, but being maximum lawyer, I think, is about more than just being an efficient and successful lawyer. I think it's all about maximizing all aspects of our lives so that we can take it to the next level. And I know this may sound cheesy. I know it may sound, you know, trite, but it's really important, I think, for us to be thinking about all aspects of our life, not just about making money, not just about running a law firm, but about being with our family, being with our kids, being free to be happy and live a successful life and, and have everything that we want. That's, that's what Maximum Lawyer to me is all about, about, you know, reaching whatever potential we can and not just in running a firm. I really mean that it's, to me, it's much more about living a successful life, a balanced life and, and the, and taking whatever it is that's important to us to the maximum level and throwing everything into that. You know, I don't remember who said it, but Furman Percelli repeated it to me yesterday and he, he made a really good point because I was just talking about how much, you know, we were just busy, you know, I was doing, uh, had a lot of work to do. And he said, he's like, you know, on your deathbed, you're not going to say, I wish I spent more time at the office. And I, I know that that came from an author or a speaker, something like that, but it's absolutely true. And you have to sort of remind yourself of that sometimes. We, Everyone that listens to this podcast, I guarantee you, works their asses off. It just, you're, you wouldn't be listening to this if you, if you didn't, if you weren't, you know, hustling and working hard and and doing good work for your clients and you were same thing as for the people that are engaged in the Facebook group. So 
but we do have to remember that there are other things out there besides our businesses. There are families, there's friends, things like that. So, I mean, to me, it's, it's much more important to me to be a, a great father and husband than to be a great business owner. They're all very, very important to me, but I, you have to focus on, on the things that really, really are important in our lives. And, you know, let's not kid ourselves, though, though. What helps us have those healthy lives are our businesses. So they, they both have to be healthy. So, yeah, I mean, there's different parts of your life that you need to focus on. You know, there are the family relationships. There's the friend relationships. There's your health. There's your business. There's all these different areas that you have to focus on. And it can be very, very difficult because you're when you take away from one, if you add the one, then you're taking away from another one. So it's tough. I mean, it's nothing, no one's saying this is easy, but you have to at least have it in your mind to think about, to focus on. Otherwise, you'll just ignore it. I really like this part that Joey wraps up his post. And if you guys haven't read it, I really recommend that you do. It was from uh, April 2nd. And Joey goes through some numbers about how lawyers you know, how much lawyers could be making or should be making or are making. And he runs through the numbers and he talks about a book that he really likes called Profit First, which I haven't read, but that'll be my hack of the week, Profit First from Joey. Thanks, Joe. But he ends his quote by saying, I just want to take a breath and say to the solos in this group who might just be starting or in their first year or two, especially if you don't have children yet, I, I think you're doing pretty darn good. And I think that's right. I think that you know, if you're hanging out with us, if you're listening to us and doing the kinds of things that we're suggesting, you'll get there for sure. As long as, like you said, you keep hustling, keep trying. And and I think that it's great to stop and assess where you are from time to time. And you may not be completely satisfied with that, but also to take the satisfaction of knowing that you're on the right path. I love it. Nothing else I really need to add to that. I mean, it's go read the post. It really, it really was a good post. You actually, you know what? Do you have the numbers in front of you? Yeah. Will you will you read those numbers? I think it's important that people hear the numbers. I was I was a little surprised by them. All right, boss. According to at least some studies, making around ninety five thousand dollars on the high end, and that's for an individual, is enough to make you happy. So this is just a general happiness scale. That if you if you're an individual and you make ninety five thousand a year, then you, you you have enough to at least be happy and safe and and warm, I guess. According to at least some studies, the average solo lawyer makes less than thirty five thousand dollars a year. And our friend Chelsea Lambert, when she was on, she said 40, I think it was 41,000. So they were both right there. And then in the setup that Profit First sets forth, solo business owners making under $250,000 should be paying themselves 50% of what the business brings in, which doesn't include profit distribution. So he's saying that if you follow Profit First and if you do the kinds of things that we're talking about, that you should be able to get to that happy level. And then you have to ask yourself, what is making me happy? Is is it just the money? Is you know how much do I need to be happy? If you got four bratty kids like I do, and you got to pay the bills, that you probably need a little bit more. But generally, I, I totally get Joey's point, and I think he's right. I think I think taking a breath, you know, a couple times a week to sort of be happy where you're at, I think is really important. Completely agree, and I, and I don't want to break down the numbers. I just wanted to make sure people they heard the numbers. I was a little surprised by that. So let's kind of wrap things up, Jimmy. Before we do, I, I want to point out that you, you criticized the way I asked for reviews. I guess I've been telling people to give us a review. So Jimmy would like me to ask you all to go and give us a review. And if you will, if, you, if you're kind enough to give us a five-star review, we would really appreciate it. Jimmy, was that good enough? So much better. I think that was much nicer and 
much more fair and balanced. Okay, okay. So if you would mind, wouldn't mind going to give us a review, we appreciate it. Here's where I am going to tell you. Get involved on the Facebook group. Facebook group is extremely, extremely valuable, and it has been hopping lately. It's, uh, it's kind of crazy. I think you and I have gone like a week at, without posting anything. I mean, people are posting a bunch of stuff. And so especially whenever people I'm, – I'm a little hesitant to post things on there whenever people are, are, are posting a lot of really good topics. I don't really want to dilute those really good topics. So, But there's a lot of action going on, and so we're, there's a lot of great information flowing. And so definitely get involved in there. Jimmy, go ahead and give us your hack of the week. I did. It's Profit First. It's a hack for myself. I'm going to download it this week and start listening to it. So tell us all about it, Jimmy. Tell us all about what the, what's the book about. I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> no, I'm actually I'm actually halfway through it. It's it's a it's a short book. It's a, it's a good book though. It's he actually does a really good job, and this is something he talks about it in the book about how you, you know front loading. They front load these books nowadays where you get. The, the gist of everything in the first chapter or so, and so once you've gotten through the first two or three chapters, you're gonna you have a really good idea what's going on. But he gets into the minutia later on, so that's probably where most of the value is uh, is in the minutia. But it actually, from what I've read so far, is a really good book. So it's funny, you and I are both this week going to recommend something that other people are doing or reading, and I'm going to recommend. This is based upon Jay Ruan and Mitch Jackson, and you know what I'm going to recommend. It's creating a public figure page for yourself. Now, here's full disclosure. I don't agree with Jay and Mitch on this. I, I don't think it, I, it makes no sense to me because I think it dilutes your message when you have a sep- separate public figure page from your firm page. However, I'm willing to try it out. I think it's worth trying out. So I want to, I want to, I want as many people to do this as possible. And if you need me to post on Facebook how to do it, I will. It's really easy to do, though. William Eady posted how to do it. So there, go ahead and go to the Facebook group. It's there. You can find it there. But check it out. And basically what you do is it's sort of, um, I guess, day-in-the-life sort of stuff is what, sort of what they recommend for you at your public figure page. And so check it out. See what you think. I'm not completely bought into it. I'm actually not bought into it at all. But I'm willing to try it out and see if it works. All right, buddy. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening. Hopefully you got a lot of value out of this episode, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.